Oh, what a joy it's been already to be in God's house. Amen. This morning, uh, I am diverting from your Sunday school material or your Bible study material. As you well know, for the last uh, few, I've been following along in my sermons and and kind of going along with the theme that you're going on with in your Bible study groups and Sunday school classes. And I felt impressed to the Lord uh, to kind of break free from that for a few weeks and leading us up to Thanksgiving and Christmas, but at least for the next three to four weeks to preach a series entitled, Not Far from the Kingdom. Not Far from the Kingdom. Today's message is, having knowledge of the kingdom does not make you a Christian. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And if you are physically able, I would invite you to stand again in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Holy Word from Mark 12, 28 through 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. May God bless the reading of his word today. May we receive it by faith. Amen. And you may be seated. Father, today I come to you again thanking you for your blessed word thanking you for your presence here, thanking you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. And I ask, Lord, that you would take a very weak servant and empower me, Lord, to preach this gospel. And, Lord, that you would move in our midst today and that none here would just be close or not far from the kingdom, but would enter in to the kingdom of God by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ today. May you be honored and glorified in Christ's name. Amen. We see in chapter 12 the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, these lawyers as well, asking Jesus Christ questions. One we see in chapter 12 is about paying taxes to Caesar. And then the Sadducees ask about the resurrection and marriage. 
And then this scribe or this lawyer comes to Jesus Christ to ask him something that I believe he had pondered. You see, every scribe, every Pharisee should have known the answer to this question before even asking it. They knew of how God had spoken through Moses the words, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then Jesus, even though he was not asked, went into the second one to see, to teach how they connect with each other. And he said, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, in these two commandments, all of the commandments are held together. If we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if we love our neighbor as ourselves, all of the other commandments will be taken care of. These two knit them together. So when Jesus answered this, the scribe or the lawyer said, you've answered rightly, but I believe this was a question that he had pondered upon before. If this was the truth, he had thought, then those two are much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices in the temple. Now this is an interesting thing that he adds on. And when Jesus heard him answer that and add that on, Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Because as we know, Jesus had said that the temple would be destroyed. Jesus Christ was coming to bring fulfillment to Judaism. Jesus Christ was coming to do away with the slaughtering and the sacrifices of pigeons and doves and lambs, as he himself would become the sacrificial lamb of God that takes away the sins of his people. Jesus Christ would replace the temple. We would. And he would usher us into a new and better way of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself through the help of his presence in our lives in the new covenant. And so when this scribe said to love the Lord your God in this way, to love your neighbor as yourself, he says, was more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus, in my words, says, you're starting to get it. You are starting to understand. And a matter of fact, Jesus again spoke those words, you are not far from the kingdom of God. As the kingdom of God stood before him in the flesh, Jesus Christ himself. The scribe or the lawyer was allowed knowledge, if you will, an awakening to some degree to understand what he said. Now we'd like to think that uh, he advanced in his knowledge and that this scribe became a disciple of Christ and that he began to walk with Christ and the disciples and to learn from them and that he became a Christian. But we do not know. And the truth is that many of mankind have 
not been far from the kingdom with knowledge and understanding in spiritual matters and yet not enter the kingdom by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. The old saying that I heard growing up, close but no cigar, right? That came from the 19th century in the carnivals where if you won a prize, they would give away cigars in many of the games. And if you got close but you did not win, there came the phrase, close but no cigar. God forbid that would be the case with anyone under the sound of my voice today that you would not be far from the kingdom of God but not enter it. The truth is this, that for most of the world, and especially here in America, we have little concern for spiritual matters. Even many in the church today have little concern for eternal matters in their life. Most are spiritually asleep, more concerned about things of the earth, where they're going to eat where they're going to sleep, who are they going to sleep with, what song is number one on the charts right now, who's hot, who's not, what's the number one show that I like, what's going on at work, am I advancing in that, is my child playing more than someone else's child on the sports team? On and on, we continue to lull ourselves asleep with things of the earth. What's the hottest fashion right now? Am I fashionable in my attire? Many times we are more concerned about our animals than we are God and our neighbors. Most of the world, as you would say, of the examples I've given are what most people are concerned about today especially in America. But let me say this, what a tragic thing it is to sleep spiritually throughout life only to be awakened one day in a place called hell. You see, it is a mercy from God when we are awakened in our soul to understand spiritual matters. It means God has visited us and removed the veil to a degree that we might, like this lawyer, began to understand the truth about Jesus Christ and the truth about the kingdom of God. It is a mercy from God when we are awakened in our soul to consider our relationship to God and the eternal world. And that can mean that you are not far from the kingdom. But, again, we can be close to the kingdom and yet not enter in. Jesus Christ told the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom. We can choose to take advantage of the awakening and move into the kingdom and to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Or we can choose to sing ourselves back to sleep spiritually with the earthly tunes, not willing to deal with the anxious feelings of knowing that there are decisions and preparations to be made 
that lasts throughout eternity. Beloved, let me give you a warning today that I've given you before, but I give it again. Every time that the soul is awakened to eternal spiritual matters and not dealt with, it leaves the soul even more drowsy than before and becomes more difficult to be awakened the next time. The heart grows harder. The mind begins to become used to hearing the message and becomes numb to it. But let me give you a second warning today. Being awakened to spiritual matters is not something to rest in or upon and in itself. You might ask, what do I mean by that? Well, everyone in here today might well understand that there is a God. And that He is the Creator of mankind and the universe. You might understand that Jesus Christ is God's Son. You might understand that He died on the cross for your sins. You might understand and that there are angels among us, that there are demons as well. You might understand that there is really Satan working against the children of God and the will of God. You might understand that there is a heaven and a hell. You might understand all of these things in your mind and be close to the kingdom of God, but that does not mean you are a Christian. Being awakened to spiritual truth just means that you are not far from the kingdom, but it does not mean that you are a citizen of the kingdom. Because Satan... And the demons know all of those truths that I just spoke, and yet they are damned for an eternity in hell. Judas himself slept beside Christ on many nights, ate many meals with Jesus Christ. I believe he understood all of that, and even when he betrayed Jesus, he felt so guilty because he knew that he had betrayed an innocent man and the Son of God, and yet he was so close to the kingdom and never entered it. Think of if you had a skin disease, and it was a very aggravating, difficult to live with, and you went to the doctor and you got a diagnosis, and you went to a second doctor for another opinion, he gave or she gave the same diagnosis. You went to a third doctor, the same diagnosis. And you know exactly what the skin disease is. Not only that, each of those doctors gave the same opinion to what the cure for your skin disease is. You could know each lesion or abrasion or boil Uh, You could count them, know the number of them on your body. You can even name them. You can know all of that. You can know what the disease is. You can know what the cure is. You can know the number of, of abrasions on your skin. You can name them. But that doesn't mean you're cured until you apply the medicine or the cure to your body. It's the same with Christianity, friend. 
your house could ignite one night. And you could be awakened by the fire. And you could sit on the edge of your bed as you see the fire burning. And you say, wow, I'm glad I was awakened to the fire, but yet not leave the house. Now, aren't those silly? Because the truth is, if we went to the doctor for a skin disease and we knew there was a cure, we would take the medicine. Or we would apply the cure. None of us here today in our right mind, if the house was on fire, would just sit up on the bed and say, I'm glad I was awakened and I know the house is on fire, but we would gather what we need and get out of the house and make sure our family or friends are safe. And yet some today see hell as a true reality. They understand that there is a God that there is a Christ, that there is a devil, that there is heaven, that there is hell, that there is a heaven to be received and a hell to shun. You know what needs to be done, but still sit while earth below is beginning to give away and your feet are becoming warmer because of the judgment of hell that is coming upon you. Not far from the kingdom but not in the kingdom. But there is good news. Salvation is closer than you know. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And this is not His will, as we're told in the Scriptures, that any would perish and be separated from God throughout eternity. This is why Jesus Christ came. This is why God came in the flesh to dwell among us. To seek and to save lost souls. To build the bridge between God and man. That we could walk across and be restored in our relationship with our Creator. Maybe today you've been made to see these truths. You are not far from the kingdom. But again, salvation is not just knowing our sin and our need for a Savior, but by grasping the deliverance provided in Jesus Christ. Applying the cure, if you will. Receiving the good news by faith in Jesus Christ. How do we do that? First, we repent and The word repent just simply means that we turn in a different direction. We turn toward a specific person, Jesus Christ. This was the message of John the Baptist, repent. This was the message of Jesus Christ Himself, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, After the day of Pentecost, he began to preach repentance. Turn to Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. Repent of your sins. Understand that you are a sinner. Yes, many understand that. But turn to the cure, to the one that came to wash away our sins, Jesus Christ. This was the message of Paul, and it is still the message today for Christianity. We must repent and turn toward Jesus Christ. 
Secondly, we must believe. We must believe not only that we need salvation, but that Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. And that He is the only way to salvation. He is the only name given unto man under heaven in which lost man can be saved. And we believe that He was born of a virgin. We believe that He lived a perfect and a righteous life. We believe that He became sin for us on the cross. He bore our sin and the wrath of God was poured on Him on the cross so that I would miss the wrath of God. He became the sacrificial Lamb of God, the only sacrifice in which God would accept and be pleased that He died on that cross, that He was put in a tomb, and that on the third day He was raised by the power of God and resurrected and walked among His brothers and sisters, that He ascended into heaven and that He's coming back for His own. This is the good news. And we must believe it. We must repent and we must believe. But I also believe we must confess. Confess. And I'll say this publicly. You don't have to come up here and stand and and give a sermon like I'm doing. But in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior, and what He did on the cross is able to save you from your sins and not of your own works and righteousness. And that He is your Lord, and that you love Him. In some way, we confess. Every time Jesus called someone to Himself, it was in a public manner. Come and follow Me even when he had one-on-one conversations. There was an invitation to trust the truth to come and follow. Romans 10.9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the good news today. It is not enough just to know these truths. But we must turn toward Christ. We must believe in Christ. We must confess Jesus Christ. And He is faithful and loving to hear those words, to see you turn to Him. And He will save you, my friend. Some have been awakened by the Holy Spirit even this morning. And I want to say you are not far from the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean that you are a citizen of the kingdom. Until you turn to Christ, believe in Christ, confess Christ. Don't become institutionalized. We have heard of that in prisoners' life, that sometimes one that has been jailed so long is truly unwilling to live on the outside. They become what is called institutionalized. They are more fearful on the outside in society than they are in the prison. This happens to people as well. You see, just like in a prison we provide a 
small room or shelter, three meals a day in a cot. So Satan too, my friend, will provide you a small shelter, three meals a day in a cot, but you're still a prisoner. You're still his prisoner. But sometimes people become institutionalized. I ask you this, would you sit in the burning house aware of the flames and the killing heat when there is escape? When Jesus Christ is providing a way for you to escape the judgment He already has through the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection? Would you sit close to the kingdom gate, looking upon its path each week as we sing the beautiful songs of Zion and worship the Lord? Would you look and listen to the message of the kingdom each week and hear and see in others' lives how sweet the name of Jesus is, how beautiful of a Lord He is, how faithful He is, how loving and compassionate He is? And still stand and look and hear and be not far from the kingdom and yet stand back. That is not God's desire for you today, beloved. Would you be close to the kingdom and yet not enter forever to be shut out? When Noah built that ark and God told Noah it was time to go into that ark, and only Noah and his family was saved. It didn't matter if a person was two miles away from the ark when the rain started to come down and begin to elevate, or if a person was right by the door that God had just shut. The person right by the door would be drowned just as much as the person two miles away. They both heard the message For over a hundred years as Noah built, he was a preacher of righteousness and they laughed at him and they mocked. Oh, God's not going to do that. But they perished in the flood. Beloved, some of you are not far from the kingdom of God today. And Jesus is calling you today. Inviting you. Not just to be close or aware of these biblical truths of heaven, hell, God, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, Satan, angels, demons. Not just to be aware of these things, but He's calling you today to repent and to believe and to confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. It is His loving and patient desire to rescue you from destruction and judgment. Will you die close to the kingdom and still be lost? Or will you enter and advance upon how the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today? The gate to the path of eternal life with God is open. And Jesus Christ's arms are spread open wide, saying, Come. The prison door has been unlocked, that you may freely walk out 
and take the hand of Jesus Christ today. The cure for your disease has already been made through the cross of Jesus Christ. Will you apply it to your life today? Will you turn to Him and away from your sin? Would you believe in who He is and what He did? Would you confess Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord today by grace and through faith? This is what I ask you to do today is not just to be close to the kingdom, but to enter into it today.